To say I've played a lot of gigs by now is an understatement. And given that, I've forgotten a lot of gigs, studio sessions, rehearsals and the like. They kind of roll into one or some things I've completely forgotten about by now. But what I do tend to remember, oh boy, there's some gold in there. These days when I think about some of the experiences I've had, I tend to recall either the very good or the very bad. And the very bad can be many things. Sometimes I've stuffed up. I have to be honest in saying that. I've had some terrible moments. I remember once playing on the, on the back of a truck at an outdoor show and I turned to face the drummer as we played a breakdown in the song. As we did so, I was jumping up and down and I managed to propel myself backwards and straight over the edge of the truck bed. I dropped from, oh, I don't know, just under two meters, I think. And in doing so, I managed to put a massive scratch down my then new maiden, which was all of two days old. Sure, the fall hurt like buggery with the way I fell and landed, but I knew I'd be okay. My body's gonna repair itself. I hate it when instruments or gear gets marked or damaged because they don't mend naturally. But I won't be reflecting on my mishaps and stupidity today. There'll be plenty of other times for that sort of thing. Let's instead recall, uh, recall a short tour I filled in for at the last minute. So I remember receiving a phone call from a stranger one Wednesday afternoon. I'd been re recommended to him as a replacement for the band's guitarist. He had broken his, his hand playing tennis the night before. Now in total I've been asked by three bands to fill in for them at very late notice when their respective guitarists have broken their hands playing tennis. So maybe tennis and guitar are not a good mix. Anyway, the voice said something like, yeah mate, you're able to learn 35 songs, no rehearsal, play 12 shows in 13 days with us, we have our first show on Friday night. I responded that I was available and I could do that. Sometimes it's hubris when I say these things, but I do enjoy giving myself a challenge. And I find that the pressure really makes me focus on the job at hand. The voice on the other end of the phone suggested I might like to drive to him ASAP and pick up some CDs he'd made up of their repertoire for me to learn from. I told him he'd be there in about 90 minutes. We lived in an area that I really did not know well. Driving into the street, there were many new houses with majestic lawns and immaculate gardens. And then there was the house with waist-high grass devouring the wreck of a Holden station wagon. The remnants of scooters and bikes rusting away gently were also visible in that jungle that was the front yard. And of course, this was the house I was looking for. An incredibly thin man answered the door once I knocked. His hair seemed to indicate he probably last showered about six months prior to this day. And the distinctive smell of marijuana uh, greeted my nose as he opened the door. Now, personally, that's something that I've, I've never had time for. And I have no interest whatsoever in it. I haven't even tried a cigarette. When it comes to that sort of thing, look, what, other, what other people do is their business. It's not mine. This is not for me. He, he showed me in and there was, I'm not really quite sure of what I'd call it, marijuana residue or dust, which was everywhere. I'm not sure if that's the right term, but you can imagine what it was like. He'd obviously been cutting up the leaves and it had just gone over everything. 
In fact, on his dining table was a large chopping board and knife with plants on it, ready for him to work on once more after I'd left. He indicated where I should sit and he passed me a few CDs. We had just started talking about gear requirements when the doorbell rang, he answered, and an attractive and very on-trend uh, for the time girl walked in. She'd been asked to sing harmonies. This adventure took place some time ago. I was pretty young then too. The band leader was maybe 15 or 20 years older. Hard to say as he really hadn't looked after himself. The singer came in and said hello to me and we just started discussing the tour. Most of the material was classic rock and blues rock. Think the Stones, Beatles, Cream, Hendrix, Deep Purple and Free. It was hoped that I would get the structure and key riffs down then I'd be free to improvise as I pleased when it came time for a guitar solo. The young singer asked about image, stage clothes and what she should wear, and if she would get to sing any lead. I'd like to see you buck naked myself, was the reply. I think she's, she was gone within 30 seconds of that comment and had no intention of working for him. I think that was a good call on her behalf. I've seen some really sleazy guys in the music industry. It's not cool, and guys, I think we can do better than that. I'm in a different position now, but then I was desperate for money and work. I'm also a lot more confident in myself, and I wouldn't put up with someone talking to a woman like that either, and I'd walk out. But at that time, I so needed the work that I let it slide. I'd actually just had a whole bunch of dates cancelled a few days before as the band that I had been working in imploded. That's probably the best way to put it. I'm not sure if it was the singer or the drummer that was telling lies to me, but somehow I managed to get caught up in the middle of what I can only describe as being a shit fight, and suddenly I was out of work. So these gigs were a godsend for me because I would be able to pay my bills. Anyway, we agreed upon a few logistical things, and I set off to work on the songs. One of the things that we did agree upon was that I would drive myself and be compensated with extra money for doing so. Now, I much prefer that sort of freedom when touring with a band, if it is at all possible. I hate sitting around waiting for others and having them waste my time. If I'm friends with the other guys, well, that, that can be a different story. But when I don't know anyone, and then I've been away and found I really don't click with other people either. Well, being able to meet up at various venues where we're playing is good for me because I can go and do whatever I want during the day. I raced off and the next day I madly spent uh, transcribing songs, preparing clothes and organising a few other things that I'd need, that I thought I'd need for this run. The first gig was around a three and a half hour drive south. I listened to the CDs given to me by the bassist, sorry he was the guy I'd gone to meet if I hadn't met that, mentioned that before. Uh, all the way on that trip and by the time I arrived at the club I was feeling pretty confident that I was going to be okay with this. It was there that I met the other members of the band. This was interesting to say the least. The drummer had old jeans and a vest on. He also possessed a lot more body confidence than I because I wouldn't dress like that with just a vest on if my physique was like his. But more power to him in that regard. He was fine with it. 
Having said that, I'm not really sure it went over all that well with some of the venues that we played at. The singer was wearing a grey flannel basketball hoodie. As I was to discover, this is what he lived in. There was a fair bit of angst between these two from the get-go. It was very obvious they didn't like each other. A woman arrived soon after. She was their new harmony singer. Interesting wardrobe choice once again, looking like she was off to do an aerobics class while wearing a beanie and Ugg boots. We did a quick sound check and then went off to our rooms. Well, as it turned out, there'd been a major stuff up and it was only one room booked. Yes, I was living the Spinal Tap scene out for real. Eight or nine people booked into a room with a double bed, bed sorry, and one lounge. <clears throat> I ended up sleeping, when I did get to sleep, in my car. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Maybe an hour later, we found ourselves back on stage. The drummer was counting in the first song. I quickly ascertained that the bass player was a one finger per hand style of player. He used his middle fingers to do everything and rhythmically it was very simplistic. He only played the root note of the chord, so not a lot was happening from the other side of the stage musically. And in similar fashion, I also quickly ascertained that the singer had some issues. He really couldn't sing. By that I don't mean I didn't like his voice. He couldn't actually sing. There was no way he was going to get through three sets with his technique. His approach to help his throat survive the punishment it was copying was to squig wine after every song, and sometimes during a song. On a few occasions I had to step in and sing for him as he was too hoarse, or was having a coughing fit to keep going. It was about 30 minutes into the first set when the first insult was launched from the drummer to the singer, or the singer to the drummer. That I can't quite remember, but it very quickly escalated. I had never seen the singer in a band turn and try to punch the drummer over the kit mid-song before. Nor have I seen the drummer try and pull the singer over the kit to get a better shot at him mid-song either. The bass player calmly plotted out his quarter note pulse, acting as though this thing happened all the time. I didn't know what to do, so I jumped on the mic and started telling a joke while playing along with the bass. The fight was over, actually, very quickly. A few punches and words, and they went back to what they were meant to be doing. No one said anything more about it. I was already wondering how these guys ever got one gig, let alone a run of dates like this. And they were paying me pretty well. The rest of this first gig actually passed by without much incident. The band was not good. But people had probably enough to drink by this stage to enjoy themselves. And then it was time to pack up. But there was a problem. The only entrance was the front door, which was on the other side of the room we played in. And this was only accessible by walking across the dance floor from where we were. The moment we finished, a DJ started. The club was packed. And the dance floor had stayed filled after we'd finished. It was just not possible to get gear out of there with a lot of argy-bargy from us. 
And the manager told us we were not to interrupt by dragging a drum kit and amps and everything across the stage, across, sorry, across the floor. Now, there was no way I was going to leave my gear on stage in a club where anyone could get, it, get at it and do whatever they wanted to it while I wasn't there. So I ended up sitting next to my amp until 4am when the DJ finished. I found myself back in the, our, uh, our one, one bed room at around 4.30 in the morning. And I fell asleep on the floor pretty quickly. But this only lasted for maybe 30 minutes because I was woken up by a commotion outside the window. Now we were on the second floor, so what the hell was going on out there? Well, the drummer and singer had climbed out onto the roof to continue their fighting. So at 5am or so, they were belting and swearing at each other on the roof. To say that the hotel management was pissed is an understatement. I went back to my car and I slept across the back seat for a couple of hours. When I woke up, I went and checked with the other guys and told them I'd be off and I started driving south uh, towards our next location. I actually had some family that lived in that area. So I went and visited them for the day, which was a great way to pass it. The next few nights were mostly incident free. The only thing that really stands out is when we were playing the Hendrix tune Red House. If you don't know it, it's a slow blues. The drummer and bass player really had little idea of something called dynamics, really important for music. Everything was played at maximum intensity and the bass was typically very distorted. When it came to the solo in Red House, I tried to get them to follow me, dropping the volume right down, playing with the dynamics, creating something a little bit more musical. I stayed on the clean channel of my, of my amp and I started playing some Wes Montgomery octave lines over the progression. The singer looked confused. What was going on? No distortion? So he walked over as I was playing like this and stomped on the overdrive pedal. And he then did the same thing with the channel switching pedal. I very quickly changed my approach and went to more traditional blues rock style soloing uh, rather than trying to do the Wes Montgomery clean octave jazzy type thing that would have sounded pretty awful with the tone that I had going uh, now. After that set, the bass player and singer wanted to know if something had gone wrong with my amp. Why was I playing on a clean channel with such clean sound? I said no, and I explained I was hoping to create a musical journey with many different textures to make it a little bit more interesting. They told me to forget about that sort of thing and just leave the overdrive pedal on all the time from now on. So just as an aside, if you are playing improvised music, it's important to consider how you build the solo and how you interact with the other musicians you're sharing the stage with. With, I was playing at a blues festival once and a very well-known Australian guitarist and I shared the stage for a song. He took the first solo and did the SRV thing very well. Now, I love Steve Ray Vaughan and he has been a massive influence on my life. At one stage, I was very much his clone, at least in terms of my playing. I certainly never dressed like him. I have seen some people try to pull that off. Uh, one memorable one was the, the big sort of hat that Stevie, Stevie had, uh, etc., with stubbies and thongs. I didn't think that was a good look. Anyway, so I could play, certainly play like that, but I saw little point in replicating the same thing in following this guy that had taken the first solo. So I played very sparsely. And I brought in a few concepts I'd learnt from jazz fusion great Mike Stern. 
it took the song in another direction, which I think helped make that journey a little bit more interesting. After the song, the other guy asked what I was doing. He told me that sort of place had that sort of playing, sorry, had no place in the blues. Then I played some wrong notes in my song wing. You can't play the major third over the five chord. If that doesn't mean anything to you, don't worry about it. But if it does, you'll understand that you certainly can. I personally don't think there are any wrong notes when you're soloing. It's just poor phrasing or poor resolutions of those notes with the chords you're playing over. Anyway, that's an, that's an aside. As I said, not much else happened. The only other thing I can really think of was uh, a guitarist I met one night. can't remember which club we were in, but... He's one of those guys who stands with his arms folded watching and judging everything and everyone on stage from an obvious position. During the first set, he stood at the back of the dance floor. By the second set, he was standing in front of me, maybe two, two metres away, and he stared at me for the whole set. Some poor girl stood next to him motionless for the whole time. She was either besotted with him or very controlled by him. And then the moment came. You play okay, but I can read music, so I'm better than you. I looked at him with a mixture of hilarity and disbelief. Who says that sort of thing? I'll be honest and say sometimes I take some of those things to heart, for I hate being judged. We don't need to unpack all this stuff here, but it goes back to my childhood and growing up being judged unfairly all the time. Certainly by one member of the family, but a few others as well. These days I try not to engage... I do fail sometimes with that. Anyway, he reiter reiterated this comment because I didn't respond. This time I just nodded and he walked off, obviously basking in the glow of victory and asserting his dominance over a working musician. That's something to keep in mind if someone has a go at you. Think, I've got the job and you don't. I am a weird magnet and seem to attract this sort of thing a lot, no matter what I may have done or where I might be playing. And sometimes, it really does get under my skin. Australian audiences can be quite rude. When I've played in the US or in Asia, people have met me with a sense of anticipation and occasionally even excitement. In Australia, I've had a woman put down her beer when she saw us pull up in the car park, walk over to the car before I'd even gotten out of the car, and tell me to fuck off because we were terrible. Ah, the joys of it all. The following night we were booked at an RSL club. I'd stayed with a friend the night before that lived fairly close by, so I arrived at the club dressed for the night. Normally if I have a long trip, I'll wear something else and get changed. Now this night I distinctly recall wearing a silk shirt, which I picked up in Thailand. And the reason why I remember this is that the singer greeted me with the question, the question, sorry, are you a fucking poof wearing that thing? If you're not familiar with the term poof, it means gay. It was a slang word, very derogatory, um, from a previous generation. Not a word we really use anymore. Now, he's, that's how he greeted me. And what was he wearing? A grey flannel basketball hoodie, complete with beetroot stain on the front, from the hamburger he had devoured. And what did he wear on stage that night? The very same thing complete with the hamburger, sorry, the uh, beetroot stain on the front. Now, apart from his sartorial elegance, he was really struggling vocally as well by this stage. 
He coughed and spluttered through songs and drank Stone's ginger wine profusely to try and numb his throat. He sounded awful. So roll on a few more days and it was the final show in this run. It was New Year's Eve and the club that they were booked at was packed. I walked into the green room when I arrived and the bass player handed me a plastic bag filled with pills. These are for you. We're partying tonight. You should take some, is how he greeted me. I said no thanks and decided to stay out of the room for the night. I personally can't be around this stuff. I've lost a family member to a drug overdose and I've seen other people really make a mess of things with, with this sort of stuff. So, once again, it's not for me. They had bags and bags of this stuff. They were like kids with mixed lolly bags. I started picturing the police coming in and seeing one of them, one of them or, or one of the crew overdosing and laying on the floor. I'd played at this club pretty regularly with other bands and I knew the duty manager who was on quite well as a result. So on every break, I went and sat near her at the bar and talked to her to let her know that I was not with them, really. I think I played pretty well that night. I was really coming into my own as a player at this stage of my life, and all my various influences were working their way into what I was doing when I improvised. I think most of my playing is a mix of Eric Clapton, Eric Johnson, Steve Ray Vaughan, Joe Satriani, Robin Ford and Larry Carlton. I can move in a few directions depending on the context of the music. Our context is a really important thing. We'll talk about this another time, but play for the music in the situation you find yourself in. Just because you can do something doesn't mean you should do it. I have learnt this the hard way, as you'll hear later on. I do remember that we played the cream version of Crossroads this night, and I roared into a guitar solo. Ideas just flowed, and people were cheering and whistling like crazy. It was a great experience for me as a young guy, to be honest. Two girls jumped up and started dancing around me while I played. I was shocked. I normally don't attract any attention from any girls. I'm the nice guy that they put in the friend zone immediately. I'm okay with that, and it's irrelevant these days anyway. But this sort of thing was not what happened to me. As I played, one let over, grabbed me and kissed me. She said, Happy New Year and they leapt from the stage and back into the group on the dance floor. Made me feel 10 feet tall when that happened. Fortunately, no one from the band or crew needed hospitalisation that night from whatever they took. We packed the stage and we left around 3am. We did have hotel rooms nearby, but it was only a three hour drive back to where I lived at the time. So I decided to go for it. These days I won't do that sort of thing, but when I was young, I often drove through the early hours of the day to get back home, and then I wouldn't go to sleep anyway, so I could go off and do something else. Or I would practice. I was a bit obsessed with practicing, I wanted to be the best. I remember one night finishing at 2am, driving for hours, and then teaching a guitar lesson to an HSC student who really wanted to get an extra lesson in before his final exam, and I fell asleep on him. Another time I almost killed myself driving at 5am or driving back from Canberra. All the cans of coke and chocolate bars to keep me awake didn't help. I was foolish undertaking that drive and I'm lucky to be alive today because of it, with what happened. I won't do that sort of thing anymore. The moment I feel tired I pull over. If it is very late, I find a 24 hour service station and I pull up near the night window. I'm pretty good at sleeping in the car when I need to. Ah, uh, the joys of touring. 
I have plenty of stories from those days. And if you keep listening, you'll hear quite a few of them. I haven't actually toured with a band for quite some time now. I find I don't really need to. And things are quite different with tours and so forth anyway. Um, I'm able to work really well around Sydney region, so I don't need to go and do this stuff. About a week after the final show, I was offered a spot in the band permanently. I graciously declined the offer. I'm not sure what became of them after that. I saw the bass player one more time when he dropped some money into me to pay me for the shows. At one point in my life, I was doing a lot of touring like this with shows and picking up things at the last minute. It was a real lottery as to who I might have played with, or had to room with, had to sit next to on a plane or in a van or on a bus. And some were great to travel with and some weren't. We'll talk about more of those later on. Anyway, this tour was quite an eye-opener for me. It was one of the, uh, the first ones that I'd done. And I learned a lot from it. I learned a lot about myself too. Anyway, uh, this has been Scotty B. And I hope you enjoyed this story. Um, if you like this podcast and you'd like to hear it keep going, you can uh, support me through my Patreon site, starting from just $3 a month with uh, subscriptions. Or you could buy me a coffee. There'll be a link in the text below.